All right, we're back once again, folks, live in effect. Bonjour, shalom, what's up, and welcome back to How You Living. Season two, numero dos, that's two, two if you're keeping track, episode, episode, episode. 46. That's right. The day after tomorrow, when we finally unseed 45 and we arrive at 46. Yeah. In honor of that, this episode brought to you in January of 2018, folks. We made it. Applause be held. Yay. And uh, welcome again to How You Live in the show hosted live from Greenwood in the Million Dollar Studios on top of Chaz Tower. And today... The windows are open. The sun is shining. The crows are <coughs> crowing. They were. <laughs> they were. They were getting down. And uh, and we like to start our show with a look back in a segment we like to call callbacks. Yeah. On the callbacks. Yeah. callbacks. That's right. It's callbacks. back once again, folks, to bring you the look back at our other episodes, topics, things that have taken over our minds over the past year and the season of How You Live In. Uh, my direct early callback this week is to our talk about the Michael Wolf novel and how uh, it's kind of it's kind of run its course and it's almost gotten to the point where it's like a joke. Yeah, and, and and a lot of it is being kind of pulled apart as far as um, uh, truthiness, you know, to to pull a Colbert word from uh, from the from the Bush era. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it it's 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 kind of an interesting uh, uh, epidemic thing where you have like a novel that hits, and to some degree, it's really just fiction, so it doesn't even really help the narrative at all. And if anything, it muddies the waters to a bit to 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 the people that are actually going to bring more accurate arguments against Trump. Yeah, it, it, in a non-salacious book form, you know. Yeah, so just salacious like government testimony and like apprehension or you know the like. Yeah, the shittiness of it is because of the source it came from, and due to his questionable journalistic integrity, it gives them plausible deniability. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and that's more damaging than it is helpful. Exactly. So that's kind of my callback is uh, how that book ran its course. And we'll probably hear less of it now as time goes on. And then an occasional excerpt or person will reference something from it. And we'll, uh, we'll probably be done with it at the end of the year. So For sure, for sure. And what do you got on your uh, callback agenda there? So I want to call back all the way back to episode 33. Uh, because our young boy James Damore is coming against a lawsuit against Google. So if you don't remember, um, he was that guy who wrote this Google manifesto about how he felt that white cisgendered men and <clears throat> those with conservative values were getting discriminated on at Google, and he found it tantamount to being unfair and all that. So now, because he got let go because of that paper... Right. Um, and people were questioning, should Google do this? Should Google not do this? He and another guy are coming forth 
with a class action lawsuit against Google for this sort of uh, discrimination and such. And and I wonder, and basically I was listening to an excerpt from one of the morning shows, like the weekday morning shows, and they're saying the crux of the lawsuit is for um, civil rights laws when it comes to discrimination and all that. And so I think it, this, it'll be interesting to see what the courts say. And uh, see, I feel like this is something that it would be better if it was just settled out of court. Like, they, they will... Because Google will... If they settle it out of court, they will um, get... What's I'm going to call it? They will be, like, admitting guilt to some degree in that case. And that would be, I guess, better than what I think the long term of if they actually fight it in court and they go... Because I feel like it's one of those things that would get struck down in court if it went to trial. But then it would go to appeals court and and then I think it would get struck down again, but then I think they would be bold enough to go to the Supreme Court, and I think the Supreme Court has enough conservative judges on it to say, no, you can't do this, and that would be very problematic for systemic and institutionalized racism. Huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's... Yeah, no, it's... Well, yeah, the whole Google... I mean, you're probably right. It's definitely, if he takes the lawsuit route, as opposed to a, a, a payment or some form of uh, settlement, mm -hmm. uh, it will be dragged out, and it will go through several levels, and it'll take years. Yeah. Literally years. So, I mean, the process will just go unfinished. So, I mean, if he's willing to go through that, uh, then, you know, it's a wait and see, essentially. But we are on stage two mm -hmm. of maybe a 20-stage procedure. Oh, yeah. If it continues through that, you know, because um, there's going to be different times where the, you know, evidence can be admitted that they don't think was right. And so maybe they can get a redo at that level and stuff. You'll mm -hmm. get a second appeal in appeals court and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. But, uh, I mean, it just kind of goes to show that, it, you know, people are going to be litigious now as an obstacle to being fired for almost any reason yeah that's true you know we're gonna just start seeing this and it starts to come to the point when when is it appropriate to hire someone over somebody else and when is it appropriate to fire somebody mm -hmm. you know is gonna just continually get like raked over the coals because at any point you know it can appear or be malicious intent to avoid certain demographics mm -hmm. and it can also be um a hindrance on the other end if people aren't appropriately looking at certain demographics you know That's and true. we're not because <clears throat> we might be suffering if the truly better candidates are getting avoided you know mm -hmm. no matter what the situation is and so it's kind of a weird a weird catch not 22 but like Looking forward, this litigious nature as a response is going to be, it's going to continue. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and there's no real direct answer. And because we have private companies and private companies have kind of their own rule sets. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw it in the hiring of uh, John Gruden, everyone's grandpa, uh, or, you know, stepdad, whatever <laughs> whatever age bracket you want to put him in. I mean, he, he's cool on TV, but let's, you know, he's getting older. Uh, he got hired by the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like uh, yelling about that because it breaks some some instances possibly of the Rooney rule, 
which was that uh, minority candidates have to always be looked at when administrative positions are opened up. Oh, okay. And so um, if they didn't interview with intent to actually hire any candidates prior to admitting that they were going to hire him, then they technically by some means broke that rule. Oh, okay. And so, you know... Now, whether or not ultimately they would have hired him and they maybe, I mean, he's actually coming on as part owner and stuff. They're doing a whole thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, would they have basically ultimately selected him as the candidate anyway? And as their private institution, they have the right to do that. So it's kind of this weird thing where it's being that they're using the NFL now to also have this conversation, you know, through mm-hmm. through um, that hiring. And we'll, we'll hear that because that just happened like two days ago. So, mm. you know, that story will develop and we'll hear more about the actual hiring process and we'll find out more about what candidates they actually did bring in. And, uh, yeah, and that'll just be another another issue in this kind of same... And, it, and it's something that can actually be referenced in these cases. These cases can start to become, you know, precedent for other cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you remember back in the nineties, it was all like the, the coffee in the lap, uh, lady who sued and got millions. And then it was like, Oh, oh yeah. There was like a series of, and you know, slip and fall lawsuits went up like dramatically and like, yeah, it's, 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 you know, the litigious nature as in a response is kind of normalized, but then it's interesting when it hits the level of something like an industry tech giant, like Google, Mm-hmm. and like some type of high executive that suddenly we're going to have to take the time of like appellate courts and Supreme courts, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, meanwhile we've, you know, we have missile crises. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I have, I mean, so much happened this week. So before we, we, we settle that, do you have any more callbacks to reference? No, that uh, was the big one I wanted to talk about. Okay. So yeah, 46 episode happening this week. A lot went down. Man. Yeah. So much. Like, so fucking much. Like, I mean, I guess, I mean, letting it out of the bag since 45 was before and now it's 46. Uh, Trump called, you know, parts of the world shithole. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. <clears throat> like, he literally said shithole countries mm-hmm. when referencing people from Haiti and from African nations. And amongst other things that he was kind of not really specific. So who knows how many countries he honestly considers mm-hmm. to be in that category, but not Norway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and nor, and, 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 you know, props to Norway. Like what? <laughs> like you're <laughs> fine. Like yeah, you, you, correct. You're not actually a shit old country, but, uh, there's not really an appropriate time for a president to make that as a designation of nations. I mean, all nations, should be respected at the level of equal at the sense at least that, you know, we want peace and prosperity in the world. Yeah. That's kind of a mission abroad of, of, of foreign policy of our country going back 200 years, whether it's written specifically on a document or not, that's been kind of the case. And so to do that, you have to respect all nations including its citizens. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it gets, it gets, it gets a little ridiculous and juvenile when we get these quotes and, and I also know that the Democrats have jumped on it, and this is going to be kind of one of these things that probably will pass quickly because people will talk about it too much, mm-hmm. and then that kind of, like, numbs the public to their, like, amount that they care because they just hear about it. It just becomes – they make it such a big issue. So it's kind of one of these things where we kind of just want to just keep, like, just 
notching what's happening, like make sure we're keeping track and we're slowly filing the paperwork in appropriate numbers to do whatever procedure to remove him. You know? Yeah. Because that's an 18 month process, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we just need to just keep, we can't keep jumping on every firecracker like it's dynamite you know we gotta Mm. we gotta kind of like man our response that we're 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 heading towards the right direction ultimately and we're putting together the right team which means we're getting the right candidates to run for these uh elections that are coming up Mm -hmm. and and focusing on that and if we keep if we keep jumping on these salacious stories we're doing the same thing we did in 2016 which is give trump free airspace and airtime on every network over and over and over. Yeah, and you have his, because when it happened, I was listening to Mark Levin, and Mark Levin was like, no, Trump's not racist. Those places are shitholes, right? And and he was like, so uh, people would, and then you have uh, Anderson Cooper, who did a heartfelt response on his show about how he went to Haiti and how he so- showed like the humanity and determination that they did to get people out of uh, their houses after the earthquake happened and everything. So it's definitely a, a thing where if you contextualize it in too simplistic a way, you do dehumanize the people you're talking about. Right. And I think ultimately that's why it should be discussed to some degree. Um, but at, also at the same time, we shouldn't be like surprised that Trump says something like that. And it, it's just more of a question of... Uh, does it does well functionally it doesn't really matter if it's he personally feels it or he only acts in this way because he thinks of it as his base but it's functionally the same thing so there isn't really any reason to say anything about that and yeah and ultimately it's important too to like what kind of laws can we expect to see him veto if they would come down the pipeline or something like that, or what kind of laws would he be automatically going to write in because of these feelings that he has. So I do think, yeah, there is a bit of it being just like, oh my God, he said a racist thing, jump on it. But it's also something that you have to keep in mind to the Americans that if they care about laws that don't discriminate against people from where they're from or what their skin color is, you have to know that the person who's the arbiter of making those into law and how they feel and how they think. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like we do overreport some of these issues. I mean, it's it's we're not gonna get any more out of it. It mm-hmm. was said, it's shitty, literally, mm-hmm. and and now we have to technically move on because it's not like he's gonna lose the job for that. That's true. Yeah, you, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, and that's and that's just the reality is. It's kind of like when you tackle someone for a one yard loss on the first down. And now it's second down and 11 and you're just like taunting them the whole time, but they still have a chance. Mm-hmm. Like there's, a, it, it's not over yet. You yeah. Know? And if they make a fucking 40 yard pass on the next play, what did it matter that you sacked them for that one yard loss? It didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we keep jumping on these fireworks, as I called it before, like, I just feel like we're gonna kind of like miss where we're really trying to get mm-hmm. and what we're really trying to protect, which is some of these other agendas that they have that we specifically need members to go against their votes. Mm -hmm. You know, we need elected officials to be in there and kind of wedge their way into these laws that are being made. And, and these comments almost distract that initiative in a way, in a way it's a tool. 
it's a tool that he's used and and we're falling for the bait every time and and they are racist comments for sure and uh if they are part of like how he decides his foreign policy it's definitely like ridiculous Mm -hmm. um and and we'll see you know uh you know but yeah, it's that's just one of the things. I I just kept seeing it in the news, and I started to see it responding in my mind as like, oh, I got okay. This is this is one of those moments where this is going to be talked about a lot, mm-hmm. but we're not going to get yield any of the results we would want from that type of attention being yielded. But whatever, Trump wins again. <laughs> uh, but that definitely wasn't the uh, only news story this week. Um, coming out of uh, late news yesterday or early morning news, actually. Uh, Hawaii got messages on uh, mobile devices and over some television stations stating that there was a nuclear missile or at least a ballistic missile yeah. on its way in to seek immediate uh, shelter. This is not a drill. Yeah, I saw that. And, um, you know, hearkening back to our kind of discussions about North Korea and the threat that they pose and everything, and then ultimately that... Hawaii is one of the closest American installations and targets. Mm -hmm. And then to have this be an internal system used that was actually mistakenly launched is like super disturbing. Yeah. Because it has real world consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like the ultimate, uh, it's like the ultimate jackass. You know, if like jackass could take credit for this and then, you know, the, the guys would serve, jail time and everyone would be oh, really yeah. upset you know but it would be like it's like the prank of all pranks but it was not you know it was just a government official that clearly had access to some tool that is way more powerful than anyone really thinks in terms of today's modern society and every person having a personal device on their person and yeah. making a message like that go out mistakenly can clearly cause more harm than even it would have if it had been true like, what are you really supposed to do in a nuclear attack? Like, that's almost kind of a ridiculous thing just to begin with. First of all, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, I guess if you own a bomb shelter, the, you know, maybe. But uh, the uh, the fact that it was a mistake is it's ridiculous. You know, it's like that's that's out there. And that's is that our modern world that we live in because of this hair trigger relationship we have with North Korea? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was this week. Uh, what other stories did you come across this week? Uh, let's see. Well, I guess some more positive news. Uh, now there are 30 seats that are being uh, in both the House and the Senate, I believe. Most of them are in the House that where their current incumbents are retiring. So they're not, so that's going to be open for, I would say, a lot more Democrats running in red states. And... And I think it's a good idea that we'll just keep keeping track of them. Uh, I forget who was the newest one. But as you were saying earlier about how there's always a new story that n- makes us go, oh, look at this birdie. This is the reason why we do Bill Watch. Yeah. Because I think maybe one of those things that you're talking about happened in the house this past week. And what bill was that? Bill watch. So let's see. It is uh, Senate Bill 139, uh, FISFA Amendments Reor- Reauthorization Act of 2017. And this one is Rapid DNA is a new technique that can analyze DNA samples in about 90 minutes. 
And basically, this uh, act would allow uh, folks in law enforcement to take DNA rapidly and use it against um, some current cases that have a DNA component to it. And But a lot of people are saying because uh, FISFA amendments overall uh, can ultimately give Trump a lot more surveying and power and stuff. So with this one, it seems it's more relegated to DNA, but there are other FISFA amendments bills out there. So if this one passes without much scrutiny, then those other ones that are more dangerous and more against liberty are a little bit more dangerous. So when it goes to the Senate, um, I have read that Rand Paul being like the one really libertarian senator in the Senate is going to filibuster it because it is in and of itself opening up the door to more surveillance and everything of different kinds, and also just opening up that can of worms once again, because that was kind of something that people hated about the Patriot Act and the Bush administration and right. all the other stuff that opened up. So, Yeah, that'll be interesting to look at uh, going forward. I mean, and definitely uh, something that we need to be wary of in the sense that, like, just just the rapidness of a of a sample uh conclusion al- although a a method that is going to be useful in a lot of cases mm-hmm. it's also going to be a tool that's going to be used for bad pol- policing methods oh yeah you just get something at the root of the hair you put it down in there yeah and boom you can say oh they were here and yeah and you've got it locked down you know in 90 in 90 what was it 90 minutes is it was the test yeah yeah and that's just kind of the thing where it's like before the accuracy of the test was was high and it took a little bit of time and so you know you had to do extra police work and then, you know, your results came in, and if it had a match, you had something to work with. Whereas, like, if you're only depending on the DNA, you know, and what's the accuracy of a test in 90 minutes? Like, what? where are we really at with DNA science that we, we have this the confidence level that we're going to put it to use in our actual uh, uh, modern legal system, you know? Yeah, and there was an episode of Adam's Ruins Everything where – he kind of goes over the inaccuracies of DNA and about how people have been wrongfully accused because of DNA. So definitely DNA isn't a perfect science when it comes to whether a person was there or not. And it does work off of a lot of assumptions. And the bill does give an example where James Comey said that back in 2013, folks, it was used in an investigation to nab burglars who stole more than $3,000 worth of items from an Air Force member's Florida home while they were serving in Afghanistan. So presumably such cases would be solved and and quickly with expanded use of rapid DNA. So... Interest, an interesting one. Yeah. Obviously aligned with their idea that they had to pull at the the heartstrings of Americans by mentioning a veteran, and then also you know uh, an amount to which if it happened to you, you could almost feel the anguish of it and being like, yeah, I would want that science in order to get those people captured. You know, if it was five hundred books from five hundred dollars or books, five hundred books from a guy named Dave who lives down the street and he's a college student, you'd be like, oh, that's that's a bummer. I don't think we really need DNA to catch those criminals. But, you know, uh, 
it's it, it's it's kind of the the ongoing question of policing in modern America. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to keep using and utilizing new technologies, and we're gonna. I mean, we're going to start to see uh, robot policing. You oh know. yeah. I oh, mean it's at sure. least going to be robot security to start where instead of having a security guard on a Segway, the Segway is the security guard. You know, it's just built into the form where it actually is tracking data. It's you know, it, it sees people, it knows to stop. It's going to be mm-hmm. it's going to have lights, cameras and you know, an ability to alert things. Uh and and we're going to see more and more of those. And so I mean, we're going to just kind of be engaging with the different types of, you know, law enforcement technologies going forward. And we have to wonder, you know, what kind of a, of a life change that does as citizens, you know, do we just create a nation of criminals by creating these kind of setups where everyone is going to be caught for something? And is that what we want? Or is it this actual benefit where people are going to respond by uh, doing better and having less crime? I kind of, for some reason, doubt that. Yeah, I well, I think because we it, we have a really big cancerous justice system, and I think a lot of this stuff is more putting a Band-Aid on the cancer than it is actually trying to get to the root of the cancer and getting rid of it totally, and that's why people are criminals to begin with. And it's usually not because they're bad, nefarious people. is because their breadth of opportunity is limited, and they have to go through adverse ways to get what they want. And I mean, there's some like the the thing that they mentioned in this bill sounds more like, oh, we're being nefarious and we're going to just steal all the stuff because we can. But for a lot of people, it's like, oh, we sold drugs on the street because it's the only way to get money because, you know, I can't get a job anywhere. Right. right. And, you know, kind of how like you have to look at all aspects of the system and how like little bits of the micro over here and other bits of the micro over there kind of leads to this macro that kind of gives you a place where criminality is prevalent where you can look in other countries like i don't know norway um (laughs) place is not a shithole all right it's not it's really nice (laughs) (laughs) yeah you'll see that they rehabilitate their criminals they actually get to the core of their criminality and they don't treat them like second class citizens as well too but they also created a system where wealth and prosperity is a little easier to get because uh, their taxes go into giving status quos that are beneficial to everyone who lives there as a whole yeah yeah no i know and i think like i was seeing something where it's like the the longest term if you if you like even murder has like a 15 year sentence Mm-hmm. You know, and then they they actually live in a lot of their prisons, like their maximum security ones are like in kind of like they're in out their places. They're kind of out, but they're they're people have like their own space. Yeah. And you're allowed your kind of your own life. And then you're allowed to kind of move through the situation of you grieving for the situation for yourself, for your family, for the loss of whatever the p- person that died, you know, and that whole situation. And, and the recidivism rate of those uh, candidates that actually get released is like really low. Mm-hmm. If like almost like non-existent because they rehumanizes the people. And, yeah. And if it's not, you know, if it's, they don't even have the ability to capital punishment but um you know it's it's kind of an interesting way to look at it based on how we do it we basically throw away the key for like stealing a car well yeah because we make money off of prisoners yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, for us like it, there it's about rehabilitation. We we say it's about rehabilitation, but it's not really. There's not opportunity there's in prison. Jobs. So. There's a lot of jobs yeah. on the line. Yeah. Yeah, there's basically jobs at sweatshop labor and uh, Well, no, not the jobs of the prisoners, the jobs of the people that are manning the system. See, cuz if you get rid of the if you get rid of the for profitness of of the, our justice system, mm-hmm. you're not paying all of the guards, all of the wardens, oh, all of yeah. the clerks, yeah, all of true. the translators, all of the lawyers that are involved, all of the court staff, all of the administrators of the payment systems when you owe fines and fees and legal things and they oh, all go yeah, through different damn. there's always like third party elements that you go through that's so true and this is all jobs you know these are all people at the other end so ultimately it's like one person in jail could be 12 jobs and that's like weird that that's like this weird analogy you know and so our system is almost based on it and and you're never going to get those votes because the people that are making the kind of decisions that happen at the top are the ones that are profiting from that system you know mm-hmm. like the you know your your authority on law and justice in your county is going to be your sheriff mm-hmm. you know who's employed by the system that wants them to catch more criminals you know i mean if he if he only catches two criminals in a month why do they need the staff that he has you know so they have to find criminal they have to make you know and they have to keep them yeah and that's why they have to create laws that'll create the criminals yeah and that's why especially if you look at mississippi and alabama places that have the highest incarceration rates you can see definitely their laws are still built in a way it's more nefarious now than it was back in the day because jim crow was just blatant about it yeah. And so, but, but that put adversely puts minorities in the jail for the use to uphold that system. So there, there is a yes. I'm, I'm actually quite fine with those jobs going away ultimately. Yeah. Because they're well. If if our world becomes a safer place, then our rehabilitation percentages go up from our law and justice system. Yeah, it mm-hmm. would be great. It would be be a much better place, and it probably would be more cost effective, and the people that have those jobs could probably enterprise in something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, if you are the type of leader, first of all, there is still police. So, yeah, if you're in the, you know, you could still join the cops. But ultimately, you you can lead other businesses, other enterprises, there's things. You know, you don't have to be a, you know, security guard at a jail with 400 people that, you know, are only there because the system wants them there. And the life is so miserable their comparison when they get out it's so it's just weird we also don't have any type of rebound systems really you know we we have Mm -hmm. these poorly funded systems for um convicts when they get out you know and and oh yeah the once you be once you're a criminal it's designed to keep you in the system yeah yeah and and the fact that people can keep saying that i mean we've been hearing that since we were kids yeah and it's It's still still, true though that's the thing yeah like if you if you take if you take every like a microcosm of things that deal with criminality and you look at who it affects and if you tried to go through the line of it and say where in this line can I have an effective way to get out giving all the obstacles that surround your your class in that in society you only hear that it's it, it's in some ways nigh impossible to do so yeah and and that's what it's like really well, it really gets at the core of it, but you can only get to the core of it by, you know, you you have to kind of build it the way you would build a bridge. You have to build it in sections, like you have to architect it. And then 
you have to say this part is going up here, this part is going up here. So and there's some, it's hard because a lot of things have to be done simultaneously. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that goes into getting more people in the house, in the Senate that'll create the laws that would help make the justice system fair in the way that it's meant to given uh, the uh, equal oper- equal treatment under the law amendment that is more of good in theory and less in practice in America right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be, yeah. And, and that's kind of part of how going forward, we're going to have to figure out the answers to these bigger problems because ultimately the system can't afford to just keep, like perpetually imprisoning people like we just can't it's just just as like we're gonna not want to do that you know because these projects are huge when they spend the money to to create these these camps you know they're they're Mm -hmm. giant you know and um well so we have to get on this tackle this issue and i don't even know where you begin if you just create like if you start with some like town that's got less than like a hundred thousand people or something Mm -hmm. and really try to apply uh measures there somewhere where you can kind of get access to the system as a whole Mm -hmm. and impart um changes at different levels incrementally that would allow changes to occur so housing uh job placement Mm -hmm. um opportunities for work release um uh and all those things, if you could get a population on board with that, that you could actually get a trial period of a two to three years, say, and see if you can get a market difference and enough data that you could then apply that at the system. Because what's really just happening is we're just building cages. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it's not going to work if we continue to just build our prison population to where it's equal to the amount of people not in prison. Yeah. So I ultimately think we're getting to the point um, that I feel like capitalism is going to be the thing that ends up dismantling that system, ironically enough, because capitalism is the reason why that system is the way it is as well. And that is because there's going to get to a point where automation is cheaper than them to do what they already do. Yeah, And the businesses, like, businesses that people shop at, like Aramark and Walmart and Target and all them, use the private prison system to build some of their products and everything. So if you tell those people, oh, no, we have this automated system that can work 24 hours a day that you don't have to pay a pension to, that you don't have to pay health insurance to, or or for the the prison populations, they have to still heat the place where they live they have to give them three square meals a day they have to do all the clothing and the washing and everything like that they do have to upkeep some semblance of a a place where they're they're supposed to live in so if you have things that are like well no we're not gonna do work with you anymore because we found this other system that's cheaper for us what point do they have them that have them there anymore that would start dismantling the system because there would be no reason for those prisons to exist then yeah. Well, and uh yeah, it's 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 going to be complicated to to even apply it anyway because uh all the all the different layers um that are that are at play at any point, you can you could even just have it like 
get thrown out by the state level so the governors throw it out it could get thrown out at the federal level at any point you mm-hmm. know bush or, or trump <laughs> freudian slip uh could could vote you know something in and so it's like it, it, it's these kind of problems where uh, until it's seen as everyone's idea it's not going to happen because we have this whole public that's like avoiding this issue mm-hmm. or feels at bay from it enough to not include it in their agenda of things oh yeah oh and, for sure and meanwhile it drives a lot of the problems we're seeing specifically in urban areas as far as homelessness and mm. and crime and you know um suffering in areas where you know, people wouldn't live under bridges and things if there was a better alternative. Oh, for sure. No, that's true. You know, and so uh, we have to work on the system as a whole that's leading into these areas instead of just saying, well, we'll just move to Burien and... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, no, yeah, because that's happening in Seattle right now. Yeah. Like, homelessness is a big-ass problem, and capitalism is another another reason why that is, because... Every new development is luxury. Yeah. And, you know, people just want a place to live, a place to cook some food, a place to sleep, and maybe a place to entertain themselves. doesn't need to be a lot of space. And at least there, I guess you want to keep it a little bit local, there is a place that can be used for some affordable housing that's getting debated on by the folks who live there, which is this neighborhood in Magnolia. And Magnolia is traditionally uh, very affluent. Uh, but a friend of mine went to a town hall there recently and said people were more amicable to the idea of that turning into affordable housing than maybe in previous years and so. So that, that's encouraging. That is good. That could be that could be a lean towards a solution. And then another story that came into play this week was the Mark Wahlberg reshoot fee. Oh shit! Yeah. Scenario. And the actress who was right along with him for all those reshoots and how she was paid scale $80 a day. And he walked away with a cool $1.5 million. Damn. And uh, there's been a lot of talk of it this week as far as, you know, the movie industry and how it's tilted in men's favor and, Mm -hmm. and all these things. And then as kind of the epilogue to the story... Uh, Mark Wahlberg, in her name, uh, donated the $1.5 million to the Time's Up legal battle and fund. Oh, yeah, yeah. In her name. So, so all things kind of equal, uh, you know, he didn't get any money from it. Cool. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of this fell out because the reshoots were because Kevin Spacey had to be replaced in the movie because of Christopher Plummer. Oh, okay. Yeah, because cause Kevin Spacey went through the whole scenario of people finding out about him abusing people in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so he was removed from the Netflix deal, and on top of that was removed from this movie. And so Christopher Plummer came in, and then that caused the need for reshoots. Mm. And so all this just kind of falls down. and then And then meanwhile... Uh, you know, SNL kind of pointed out that it only took a week of m- national media shaming for Mark Wahlberg to decide that he that's what he needed to do. So, I mean, ultimately, he he, what she I think kind of might be alluding to is the idea that he probably could have known how much she was getting, and could have you know worked into his contract. Hey, 
I know I have all this power and authority. Let's make sure we're compensating everybody appropriately. Mm-hmm. You know, and is that his place? No, but does he have some swing and a power and authority to be able to do that? Yes. Did he necessarily know about it? Who knows? But uh, it, it, the the AD Bryant mentioned on SNL that, you know, waiting a week and then deciding to do that is kind of like, would you have done it if it didn't become a national? Probably not. No, no, right? You know, and so, and he also was listed last year, not that it's his fault once again, as mm-hmm. being the most profitable actor in America at $65 million. Damn, all right. So... Yeah. So it's just, you know, in other news, you know, and so moving on in our Me Too Time's Up. uh, Yeah, it's about the cultural stratification of women for being women. That's the continued movement. uh, You know, that's the next the next piece in the chapter was was payments uh, on movie sets, you know, and kind of looking forward to it. It it kind of spurned. another topic that I ended up seeing on websites that was talking about it was about this campaign called the gorilla girls. Oh, interesting. Which has been calling in attention that the lack of women specifically also women of color and minorities in, um, art installations around the United States and that less than 5% of, um, the major art museums in New York are artists that are women mm-hmm. yet um, over like 75% or something of the nudes are women. So it's this weird like disparity oh, okay. where they're depicted in the art, but they're not the artists. Mm. And, uh, and they're just kind of like, what does a, would a female artist have to be naked in order to, to be included? Was like <laughs> was like kind of an off an off point kind of thing that one of the quotes that I read that they said, but in re- reality, what they do they wear masks and they they host events and the masks are gorilla masks and it's the idea of an, creating an anonymous factor mm. so you don't know kind of the person that is actually delivering the message that you're hearing at that time and that they're trying to you know also bring focus and apparently they've been doing this for about thirty years. Oh wow! Starting in New York and kind of moving throughout. Um, and then, you know, jumping on board of the social networking of the, the modern era. So mm-hmm. there's been some steam that's picked up recently. And uh, and now they're kind of tied into certain documentation about this modern Me Too movement as well. And how the narrative essentially of, of the lack of artists and creative people um, just helps kind of going back to your taboos and mores thing. It mm-hmm. just kind of makes it like, well, I guess it's not bad then. You know, we'll just have males run everything and be everywhere and be in the art and be in all that. And like, yeah, we'll just but that's fine because this is what we're doing. And so they're trying to uproot that a little bit and say, no, we would experience a better and more accurate presence of our world if we were more equal, even in presentation of art. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, no, for sure. You know, which passes on to film. So it yields to this conversation we had this last week with get your black panther tickets y'all with the mark (laughs) who's the black male i mean it's a man it's a man but but Mm -hmm. yeah uh he is uh african-american on then there is a definite it's gonna be a larger african-american cast than other marvel movies oh yeah which is a weird statement in itself that you have to have a black main character to do that which you know 
isn't necessarily true. They wouldn't have to have had to do that. But no, but it, that's don't that's that that's the IP like that because Black Panther takes place in Wakanda, which is an African nation. So by virtue, yeah, you should have more black actors than mm-hmm. white actors in that in that scenario. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's also like in the grander scheme of the cultural representation of those folks, it's like it's giving people it's giving black people more of an instance of them in power in ways that have commonly only been seen only with like white people because it's a monarchy it's a very wealthy country everyone's really strong it's not what like going back to trump's comment about shithole countries right it's something that within the popular mindset of the world where people think that and they're like no this is wakanda it's in africa it's the best place in the marvel universe so ha 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 to you (laughs) (laughs) so it's so there you go uh black panther coming to theaters near you soon um what uh what did you have any other main topics that you wanted to uh to alert the 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 Uh, listeners i guess there was that other like i guess we can make it a part of the news because there was h&m had a a, uh young model uh a young black model in a shirt that said the coolest monkey in the world in in the jungle in the jungle that's right coolest monkey in the jungle and you know like if you know how the word monkey is used to demoralize black people you know why that was highly problematic and everything and of course like this is kind of that thing kind of the same thing that happened a while back when dove soap kind of used this thing where it had a black lady and then it changed her into a white lady to kind of show the effectiveness of the soap they were using uh but so so then so that's basically what the backlash is going on and it also mirrors it because the mother of the the child model was like y'all are being too this is too much you're reading too much into this and that's what the actress also said about the dove thing and this led to uh, a couple of us on a friend's page getting into it about is it racist and is it not racist and a lot of folks so dove also i don't know if they changed it since then but previously they had a thing where their lotion would say for normal to dark skin and folks were saying like you think you guys are overreacting because you think normal to dark skin is racist and it's like well no we think it's racist because we understand how the the thing came into their mind is because normal hair equals what 70 percent of the population's uh skin tone is so that's what they're saying is normal uh but then by that case they're saying dark skin is abnormal and when it comes to products like that, it doesn't really matter what your skin color is when it comes to what treatment you're using for moisturizer and stuff. So it's kind of just like it's problematic in that sense because it's carrying that trope forward like it is meaningful. Right. So that's why it being critiqued, I think it's OK. And folks kind of not seeing it. It's kind of it was it was a long discussion to try to get a person to understand the difference between explicit racism, which some of even my black friends will say, well, that's not explicit enough for me to think it's racism, which is a stance, which is like not all racism is explicit. And if you have to explain that to folks who can be undermined by implicit racism, it's going to be a long road to try to get rid of the systems that created and imparted in our society. Yeah. Yeah, it's all built in to the old systems. And we're just slowly shedding it kind of piece by piece, brick by brick, 
but we're getting resistance in places and there's definitely obstacles to be had as we kind of unfold this mission you know mm-hmm. and as time marches on and other problems uh you know rise simultaneously you know so it's complicated right <clears throat> but that was a little heavy and i know you usually do the fun topic but you know it's the beginning of january or the middle of january and you know what happens in the middle of january in las vegas what happens in the middle CES, of- the Consumer Electronics Show. Oh, that's right. That's R- a big deal. Right, Straight exactly. Show. Okay. Right. All the new gadgets are coming out and stuff. So I guess I want to talk about what new gadgets do you think are coming out? Like, have you seen it or like what you've heard and or things that you think will come in the future technology-wise that'll make living in the world a lot easier or better? Well, I heard that the CES was obsessed with the personal assistant this year. Oh, so Alexa, Bixby. Yeah, and that Google was winning out as far as popularity of the booth. Mm. And the word of mouth of that can always be kind of, you know, uh, not necessarily the most accurate because people will say things that they know companies they like and that might send them things will will Mm -hmm. appreciate. So... Uh, but that being said, um, definitely uh, drone technology continues to kind of appear. Uh, that going in line with surveillance, that going in line with uh, the thing I had just mentioned, the assistance, personal assistance. Mm-hmm. And, and I think kind of just seamlessly tying that all together is what we're seeing. And then we're also hearing that uh, China and all these other companies are going to really rival Tesla oh. in the new kind of energy market of, uh, of providing um, battery systems and electric cars. That's good. That's Well, some people would say that's bad, but definitely so. the competition is needed because it's telling you that the world needs it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm okay with that. Uh, but yeah, that was that was kind of what I I had heard from uh, from the CES. What what did you? What were some things that uh, jumped out to you? Um, yeah, I guess uh, mainly the same things as you. De- definitely because I've been thinking about getting one of those personal assistants and kind of trying to decide Alexa or Google Home or I guess it's the Echo Dot and the Google Home Mini, which one would be better overall. And and then definitely it had me thinking too about how how much data Google has and what yeah. would be interesting if Google had a government contract that combined all the data that they have on us with surveillance stuff. Then yeah. that would be creepy as fuck. Exactly. That would be some nineteen eighty four motherfucking bullshit. <laughs> and I I'm a so the people who turn off their tracking, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably I should probably start doing that too, cause. Because I could see them, I guess, to get a little anecdotal, I could see them looking at my schedule because I have a pretty routine, like pretty routine down, like Monday through Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday is whatever. But if someone showed that like my pattern was different for like multiple days, they could be like, "Yo, what he doing? What was this?" Yeah, what, and then that be obviously VR continues to be mm-hmm. a sector that was big at the uh at the ces and we'll continue to kind of um explore different ways to use that and because electronic show doesn't include it but i think we're going to start to hear of its technology being applied the blockchain phenomenon that occurred this year oh yeah i think is going to be adapted into technologies because we really hit a precipice of it this year and i think now 
companies are going to start applying it. We just heard the release of Kodak doing it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. For the images, I think we're going to hear more about that as internal technologies for some of these systems as they are gathering more and more data. That's true. About the authenticity and accuracy and security of that data. Uh, blockchain is a technology that's used for some of that because it's uh, tracking ability and accuracy. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll we'll probably see more of that as it kind of blends in. Uh, also, and you can uh, cash in your bitcoins to buy some of these cool gadgets. So, yeah, you can. <laughs> I'm sure that'll tie it in. Uh, yeah, and then the personal drones. You know, going forward, obviously. As the FAA makes people register them and state laws, I've heard recently national parks have been banning them, mm -hmm. state parks, um, you know, and uh, any areas that have any type of like environmental uh, exposure making some type, they're vulnerable to that. Uh, they're they're usually banned. So even though the technology keeps building mm -hmm. and and, we're, and they're becoming smaller and smaller and um, easier and easier to fly. So oh yeah. Uh, we're we're gonna find an era where everyone has a drone. So yeah, there. You know what? There. There's probably gonna be people who are gonna build their own drone surveillance, or there are gonna be companies that'll and say like, Hey, yeah. Oh, you used to have security cameras outside. Now you have drones. And then like the drug kingpins. Maybe I'm being hyperbolic with that. Well, to have the drones with the guns on it and be like, I don't understand. And then I guess too with drones, once uh like facial recognition technology gets better and stuff like that, it can just go like I choose you to be a good person, and then Skynet happens. Let me stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it does feel like every technology conversation is like one or two beats away from Skynet. I mean, that's clearly the case. Like we're yeah, Arnold is coming back as a Terminator. It's ironic, but the future uses him as the model for the Terminator they create. It's, it's, it's meta, meta on meta. <laughs> That's going to be Terminator 5. It's meta Terminator, but it's just us having to battle the real Terminator. <laughs> but Skynet sponsors it because they're also in the movie business in the future. Oh, my God. So <laughs> look out for that, folks. Terminator 5, 2021. And that's only if he gets reelected. So <laughs> work against that reality. Uh, you know what? We've done what we need. You know, we've given the folks what's up. What's up? So I think uh, we can uh, we can wrap this thing up for this week. Yeah, I think so. We uh, we had a lot of topics. There's a lot of a lot of things happening. A lot of plates spinning. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Hawaii. I hope you guys are okay. Sorry for the the big scare. Yeah. Shout out to my friends in Hawaii. I saw I saw your post on Facebook. I'm glad you're doing good. And I am sorry for the people that this has impacted emotionally in very adverse ways. And obviously, it opens the dialogue further about our. Uh, world and our proximity to the possibilities of nuclear war uh, a thing that we need to start stepping back from we have to figure out a way uh, because it's bad for everybody guys mm -hmm. nuclear war does not help anybody nope not in the slightest so we need that uh, as always you can get a hold of me on the twitter sphere at Town mayor i will help your municipality by the sea Chaz, where can they find you? Um, uh, C-R-S-I-I -I on Twitter. Contact me on Twitter with hashtag BillWatch. Of course, if you think that uh, this bill, S.139, is something you don't want to go passing through the Senate, well, then you need to get on ResistBot and be like, hey, we don't like this thing. You should vote it down. And if enough of us do that, if we feel that way, 
uh, we can probably get it voted down and it, we'll have to, you know, get back to committee or we'll slow it down a little bit. So, you know, do that thing. Um, also, I have been reading the the Run for Something book and it's it's a real it's a really good book. So if you or if you've gotten to the point where you want to run and you want to say, hey, I think I can fix the system myself. I would buy that book because it really tells you this is how you run a campaign. This is what you need. This is what happens with money. These are the places you can, how you should figure out what, uh, what do you want to run for and things like that. So, so yeah. Don't just march run. And, uh, as always, you can send us an email at H Y L B O X. That's how you live in box. The H Y L B O X at gmail.com. And we'll respond. Tell us about the book. If you do read it. And as always, Chaz, it's been a pleasure. Of course. You too, Mikkel. Take care, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side, guys. Peace, love, and skittles. We out. I don't know what to do. Say it wasn't you. All right. Honey came in and she got me red-handed, creeping with the girl next door. Picture this, we were both but naked, banging on the bathroom door. How could I forget that I had given her an extra key all this time? Oh, you're pretty, man, access to your villa. Just for some, I witness all of your clean, all your pillars.